the Todd Stansbury Podcast from RamblinWreck.com. This is the official podcast of Georgia Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury as he gives you an inside look at what's happening around Yellow Jacket Athletics. Now, alongside Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury, here's the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Andy Demetra. And welcome in, welcome back. Great to have you along for another edition of the Toddcast along with Athletic Director Todd Stansberry. I'm Andy Dementra. It has been a while. Not much has changed, I'm sure, since the third week of March, Todd, since uh, we last had a chance to do a podcast together. Of course, as you know, this is our uh, podcast with the Athletic Director Todd Stansberry. A chance to give you Georgia Tech fans an open line of communication with what's going on around Georgia Tech athletics. And there has been a lot going on and uh, that is why we wanted to uh, be with you today I guess even in normal times no two days are alike in the life of an athletic director I feel like recently Todd no two hours maybe alike well first of all <laughs> it's great to see your face and you're not on a screen even from a distance yes <laughs> yeah. I'll take that compliment yeah yeah no this is uh great to be able to get together and uh yeah to say that um you know, normally the life of an athletic director is um, pretty unpredictable, but uh, we can multiply that by the millions over the last uh, few months um, when you consider all that's happened and um, all that continues to happen as we try to manage our, uh, manage our way through um, what's really an unprecedented time, not just for us here at Georgia Tech, but um, the nation and the world. So, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's been quite uh, quite an interesting summer so far. You have to be an efficient multitasker as an AD, but even that gets tested with what you've had to negotiate these last few months. Well, I think it's uh, we, we, we talk to our staff all the time about we're going to have to be flexible and nimble, and um, that's definitely an understatement. Yeah, you had to do a lot of uh, athletic director yoga to stay nimble <laughs> yes. uh, here this summer as we get ready for uh, the resumption of fall sports here at Georgia Tech. We know you have a lot of questions uh, on your minds, and we'll aim to answer as many of those as we can here. Let's get right into it, Todd, because we do have a lot of ground to yeah. cover. We know that this summer has been a tumultuous one societally in our country, and it has reached every walk of life, including athletic departments. Can you give us some insight into the conversations Georgia Tech Athletics has had with its student-athletes and how that is translated into action at the GTA moving forward? Yeah, you know, intercollegiate athletics is um, probably the most uh, diverse workplace um, for sure in the United States, probably the world. And so um, uh, all that's gone on uh, in our country over the last three, four, actually probably um, a couple of months now has really given us an opportunity to uh, have uh, uh a lot of conversations um, with our student athletes, uh, within teams, with our staff. Um, very, very heartfelt, thoughtful, honest discussions on the role that athletics um, can play. And of course, first of all, we want to make sure that our student athletes and our staff are good. And um, so that was our, our initial objective is to make sure that um, our community um, uh, what was in a good place. And then over the course of, um, eight weeks, and we've actually had eight weeks of, um, student athlete forums, one a week, um, where we trans, uh, where that kind of transitioned from, 
you know, the initial um, listening to each other and having a better understanding for each other to, okay, now, now how can we be part of um, the solution? How, um, as, uh, you know, magic happens in the huddle. And those of us that are fortunate enough to um, have grown up in the huddle and by that it's, um, you know, it's a metaphor for being on teams uh, we, we have an experience that not everybody has, and sometimes we, we forget that. And so uh, what we've looked at is, you know, how can we take our experience on teams and, and uh, with uh, uh, where you uh, come from all walks of life and in the huddle, as Coach Curry um, taught me while I was a student athlete here, is um, it doesn't matter where you come from. And so going from kind of those initial discussions on um, just listening to each other to uh, how can we be part of the solution? How athletics typically is a place that brings people together. And um, one, of the, um, one of the first um, ideas that actually came out of a team meeting was, um, you know, one of the, uh, as, uh, as an American, as part of our civic duty is um, to vote. And how can we play a role in that? And came out of our men's basketball program, and Coach Reveno kind of took that on. And what started in a in a in a team meeting uh, early on uh, went like a brush fire across the country. And of course, we were the first to um, uh, basically give all of our student athletes election day off so that they would be able to vote. Um, that then got adopted by other schools and, and now the NCAA. And so part of the things that we're going to be doing is um, not only make sure that our student-athletes are registered to vote, um, but we also use um, programming through the Total Person Program uh, to bring in nonpartisan speakers about civic duty, about knowing what the issues are, and really provide our student-athletes with the... Um, with programming that su that supports um, uh, what is their role as a citizen of the United States, and we're even taking it a step further in helping our international students um, get registered to vote in their own countries. And so it's not something that will just be um, specific to uh, um, our our American student athletes, but all student athletes. So that's one of the things that we have going on. And then another thing that kind of grew um, out of these conversations was really the need through our total person program to actually create a pillar around um, civic duty, social justice, um, and um, and so Leah Thomas and her group in in uh, conjunction with um, our diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, team that includes uh, student athletes, staff members, coaches, um, as well as members of our Letter Winners Club, um, are developing programming um, uh, for uh, for the Total Person Program around around these issues. So, a lot going on. Really, really proud of um, our student athletes. Of course, we all know that um, our student-athletes are special, are special the day that they decide to come to Georgia Tech because there's obviously a lot easier roads than, than to, to, uh, to, to, for a student-athlete than to be one at Georgia Tech. But we really do have 
um, the brightest, the, the most thoughtful, um, the engaged, uh, and I, I think um, any, any of our supporters, uh, had they been on any of those forums, any of those, um, those Zoom calls, would be really, really proud of how these young men and women represent the Georgia Tech community. Todd, you mentioned the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council here in Georgia Tech Athletics. Can, can you elaborate more on that? Sure. Well, we've always had a diversity, equity, and inclusion huddle and a committee on our student-athlete advisory board. And through these conversations, um, we really came up with the idea that we had a lot of different um, groups within athletics all working on different aspects of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we've created a diversity, equity, uh, inclusion, or DEI council that represents all the groups. So there's members of, the, uh, of our student-athlete advisory board that are on it. Um, there are members of our staff uh, huddle that are on it. We have coaches on it. Um, there's a uh, uh, letter winner's uh, representation on it. And so this is an opportunity for all of our groups that are involved in different aspects of DEI, uh, one, to make sure that the left hand knows what the right hand's doing, but also to reinforce what everybody's doing and support what everybody's doing. So rather than have, uh, whether it's the letter winners or say the student athletes working on something separately, this is an opportunity for everybody to engage and potentially just elevate, um, elevate programming and opportunities uh, beyond those individual groups. All right, let's move on to safety protocols. This is a socially distant podcast. You're at one end of your conference table. I'm at the other end. And, of course, safety is at the forefront of everybody's minds with, with fall sports around the corner. Can you first shed some light on the, the safety measures that Georgia Tech Athletics has enacted since the student-athletes started returning to campus June 15th? Sure. And I guess, uh, you know, one of the things about, um, about being at Georgia Tech and one of our real advantages is that the expertise that we have on this campus. And um, when you consider the, the, the partnership between Georgia Tech and Emory, we literally have the experts that are trying to solve these problems around the world. Uh, these are international experts. And so in looking at um, guidance from the institution, um, USG, the governor's office, and our, and our public health officials, uh, we've, dis we've developed a, a number of protocols that um, prior to our student-athletes even getting back on campus, um, we, we put two uh, committees together. Uh, one was, how do we bring our student-athletes back on campus in a safe manner um, so that they can get back to training? And two, how can we create um, environments uh, uh, once we are uh, back on campus, that our fans uh, can feel safe in. And so that first committee uh, really uh, included not only members of our staff, but uh, experts from campus to help us understand how, how are we going to need, how, what are we going to have to do to create a safe environment for our student athletes to come back? 
And so our student athletes have gradually been coming back to campus now since um, since June 15th. And the, the kind of the, the protocols that we put in place really revolve around the protocols that everybody's been hearing about, and that's wearing masks, social distance, distancing, washing hands, um, and then what does that mean for us? So we um, take in temperatures, um, filling out surveys every day. When our student athletes come to work every day, they um, basically have to answer a number of questions uh, revolving around um, you know, who they've associated with, where they've been, making sure that they've been uh, quarantined down, and we take their temperature. Um, we uh, no longer can you just come in and, and work out whenever you want. We had to schedule it so that we could maintain certain levels of social distancing, and we didn't overcrowd our strength and conditioning centers. We moved um, uh, some of our strength and conditioning capabilities down to um, – uh, the Brock, our indoor practice facility, so we could spread the spread our student athletes out, um, and our staff. You know, a lot of a lot of um, attention is obviously paid uh, to making sure that our student athletes are safe, but we also have to make sure that our our um, trainers are safe, that our coaches are safe, that the uh, auxiliary uh, support staff around our student athletes are safe. So we had to come up with all kinds of protocols to ensure that that um, that that we were taking every measure possible to ensure their safety. And then, because we had to schedule every workout, it was limited to a certain amount of student athletes. Um, then we had to go in and in between sessions make sure that we sanitize those areas. And um, I, I am incredibly proud of all of our staff, coaches, student athletes because they have done a remarkable job. Um, being flexible, being patient, and essentially being able to come back to uh, campus in a safe way. And now we're, what, uh, almost two months in uh, to these protocols, and our, our, our men and women have just done a phenomenal job. Just have to change your habits, but amazing how quickly those habits can become ingrained in you. Schedule. That's been a popular topic, hasn't it? Uh, ACC announced last week that it is moving to a 10-game conference schedule with one non-conference game available to all of its member schools. What's the latest on the schedule? We know the opponents. We don't know the dates yet. Any more clarity as we sit here doing this podcast uh, about the schedule that's uh, ahead this fall for the Yellow Jackets? Yeah, no, um, we're still, obviously, there's a lot of moving parts um, as we, um, you know, normally these schedules are made years in advance, and so... Uh, for us to turn this thing around on a dime in a couple of weeks, a lot of moving parts. Of course, uh, Notre Dame will be playing a, a full 10-game ACC schedule, which is uh, obviously uh, a little bit different. The one thing that we have done is we've moved. Um, that, that game for us was supposed to be played at Mercedes-Benz, uh, but because of the, the flexibility that we needed, one, in when it would be scheduled, not knowing what that date might be, as well as the uncertainty with capacity and those types of things. We just felt it prudent um, uh, to bring back to Bobby Dodd and, and our partners at Mercedes-Benz have been uh, been just great partners. And um, 
so what we've done there is we've extended our, our Mercedes-Benz series um, and kind of pushed that back so that we'll add another year on the back end of that five-year uh, five uh, partnership. But um, uh, all this information will be coming out, uh, I would say, probably in the next week or so. But for football, it'll be 10, uh, 10 plus one. So we'll have um, one non-conference game um, as part of that. And um, uh, we're you know, really excited about moving towards playing football, as I know a lot of people are. And, uh, but there's still a lot of unknowns. No clean old-fashioned hate. Uh, that that was one of the casualties with the SEC's announcement that it would only allow teams to play a 10-game conference schedule. The upside, as maybe you see it, is that it does open up the opportunity for another home game, though. Yeah, of course, disappointed um, for our student-athletes, coaches, fans. Um, clean old-fashioned hate is an event that um, I know that we all, uh, the whole state of Georgia, looks forward to. But I understand um, the the basically the the challenges that we all have and and respect that the uh the decision that the sec made what that does do for us though we were um we were going to go on the road to, to athens and now we'll we'll replace that game with uh with a, another home game which will be a great opportunity um for our fans to um to to get another home game in 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 bobby dodd stadium football non-conference games are scheduled multiple years in advance sometimes more than a decade in advance now as you seek a, a new non-conference opponent for this fall do you think this period will change maybe the scheduling dynamic of college football in the years ahead i H- how do you see it i think um i don't know that we know yet what changes this may create um, but I, I think that it is forcing us all because of um, our need to be flexible, um, our need to uh, be able to pivot when necessary, that maybe things that we didn't think were possible are all of a sudden going to be possible. Um, so while I don't know how much it will change scheduling, I think that there's definitely a, a, a possibility that, that will happen. And you said that the, the the game versus Notre Dame originally scheduled for Mercedes-Benz moving here to Bobby Dodd. But Notre Dame is still going to be playing Georgia Tech at Mercedes-Benz as part of the series just in 2024. So they're not completely off of being in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, though. Yeah, and I mean, we're still... Uh, obviously the the partnership we we did the partnership with mercedes-benz for for a lot of reasons recruiting being one of them being able to provide our fans uh you know basically a world-class uh fan experience in one of the the greatest football stadiums in the country which just happens to be a, a mile down the road um so we're 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 still committed to that it's just this year <clears throat> because of all the uncertainty it just felt no, we probably need to bring it bring it back to Bobby Dodd, not knowing uh, dates and capacities and those types of things. But yeah, we will um, we will end up playing Notre Dame uh, uh, in Mercedes Benz in the future. What's the timetable for the finalized schedule? You said hopefully you'll get it within the next week. The announcement was last week. Why maybe that that lag between the announcement and then? when the schedule will come out? Well, I think you have every school trying to figure out their plus one. Um, so that's uh, one of the reasons. And then 
Um, you've got 15 teams that you're trying to schedule. So there's a lot of, uh, uh, just trying to nail down dates and, and, um, and, and those types of things. It's, uh, I, I don't, uh, envy, um, our, uh, Mike Strickland, who, um, is in charge of that for the conference because, um, normally he has a lot more lead time than what he's got right now. We got to cook it up quick, right? Yes. Let's talk about the schedules for the other fall sports, volleyball, cross country, and then even the the spring sports that have some fall elements to its competition. Give everybody the refresh on what they can and can't do and and how their schedules are shaping up. Sure. Uh, So volleyball um, are are going to a 10-conference game schedule. Um, with the ability to, to schedule uh, non-conference games at, at their discretion. I mean, the, one of the, the great things there is, and of course what we're trying to do is uh, reduce how many times you got to get on, uh, we're putting our student athletes on planes and, um, and having them travel uh, all over the, all over the, 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 um, the eastern seaboard. Um, and so the good news is, is that we have a lot of um, uh, potential competition uh, in the southeast, in the state of Georgia. And so um, in addition to those 10 games, they'll be able to schedule um, uh, other games regionally um, that uh, they'll be able to get in and get out or um, vice versa. And then uh, cross country, they're able to uh, uh, create a, a, a regular season meet schedule at their discretion. And one of the changes there is we were supposed to have the ACC championships um, up at Notre Dame, and uh, those have been moved um, to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, a, a more centralized location, again, to, to make travel as easy as possible for um, as, man, as many student athletes as possible. And then the other change um, for spring sports, uh, normally they're able to practice in the fall and have a, uh, a certain amount of outside competition, whether it's um, uh, games or, or um, in, the, in, the, in the case of our tennis and, and golf programs, uh, play a, a certain number of tournaments. And um, in this case, they'll be able to continue to practice in the fall, but they won't be able to have um, outside competition in the fall. Uh, our tennis um, and golf student-athletes, however, will be able to do uh, go to tournaments. They'll just have to compete as unattached. They'll, they'll compete as a um, student or as individuals. So the schedules for the fall sports, they continue to evolve. And I think stadium capacity is in a constant state of, of evolution. We'll begin at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Where are we right now with that? So uh, as I alluded to um, previously, we've had a committee basically looking at this um, almost since we went into lockdown. Um, uh, when we're able to come back and put on events, uh, what do those what do those um, actually look like, and how do we create a, a, a safe environment for our fans? Um, obviously, football's top of mind because it's first up, and um, and while we don't necessarily know um, what that capacity is going to be um, because it is somewhat of a moving target, we're looking to the institute again and and um, our local public health officials, the governor's office, USG, for direction on. Um, what 
what the to give us an idea of what the, that capacity may look like. Um, so we've had to look at all kinds of different models, um, uh, and uh, and since there is uncertainty in capacity, that also affects um, tickets, season tickets, single game tickets, all those kinds of things. And and I, I think one of the the Georgia Tech things that we're able to do is um, uh, uh, I know many people know um, we have a, uh, one of our great alums, uh, Trip Rackley, um, a, a serial entrepreneur. He has a company called Experience. Um, and so we're currently working with Experience um, really to create a, uh, a, a dynamic um, capacity uh, program that will allow us almost in real time to um, sell tickets and, and change capacity based on uh, what direction we're receiving from uh, the Institute and public health officials. So um, we don't know what that number is yet, uh, but we're creating really the, the backbone so that we'll be able to be nimble, flexible, and all those, and, um, uh, and and in a position that when we do have an idea of what that looks like, we'll be able to almost um, uh, be able to uh, manage it in real time. If, if the stadium seating is limited, how do you prioritize the attendance and the seating? Yeah, that's where uh, that we'll end up going by our um, AT priority points um, and um, and knowing that there's a good chance uh, that, uh, with limited capacity, um, that, uh, we won't be able to accommodate everybody. Uh, we'll end up using, uh, AT, uh, our AT priority points to determine kind of who goes first. So with attendance being limited, that also means attendance revenue will be affected as well. And recently you announced the creation of support the swarm, which is a, a very important initiative for Georgia Tech in this moment. For those who hadn't heard about the announcement, explain it to everybody again and why it's so critical in these months ahead. Yeah, you know, if you look at um, in, a, in, in a normal year, um, uh, through tickets and, um, and tech fund, which is the donation associated with um, ticket locations, we probably bring in about $25 million a year. And in this year, there's so much uncertainty, not only about how many games you're going to play, because it's um, football and basketball, basically all of our sports are affected. How many games are you going to play? But then what's the capacity going to be for those games? And so from a budgeting standpoint, not knowing what kind of revenue we're going to be bringing in um, in our uh, in, in football primarily and and men's basketball, um, it puts us in a position where uh, not knowing what our revenues are going to look like, we're going to have to make some significant cuts and um, to our expenses. And my pri- and and our main priority as we build this budget is uh, I want to make this a one-year problem. And I don't want to be put in a position where I've got to create some significant draconian-type cuts that will affect us beyond um, this year. So we're trying to build a budget that gives our student one, 
we got to make sure that our student athletes are safe. And because of COVID-19, we're having to implement all kinds of protocols to be able to do that by technology um, and all the things associated with, um, with uh, creating a safe environment for them and our coaches and our staff. And in addition to that, we, um, we want to be able to compete for championships. I mean, if we're going to play, we want to play to win. And, um, and so looking at creating a safe environment, giving our student-athletes a, a, a championship-type experience where we're, we're competing at the highest level, uh, and then thirdly, how do we do this um, and, uh, and make sure that whatever cuts or whatever decisions we have to make from a budget standpoint are going to be a, create a one-year issue for us that we will be able to navigate through and not something that uh, puts us in a position that where we come out the other side of this uh, not stronger but having taken a step back. Yeah, you want this to be a 12 to 18 month issue, not something that extends to a four to five year issue. Most, most definitely, and if you know, taking people back to before we locked down in March, mm-hmm. we had just come off the best basketball season in the ACC in 24 years. Uh, women's basketball was on the bubble, and we felt had a good chance to make it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, golf and, and women's tennis were both ranked in the top 10. Uh, baseball uh, was, was ranked. And football had just come off a top 25 recruiting class um, for, the, for only the second time in Georgia Tech history. We have, have had an, an incredible amount of momentum going into this spring. So my goal is that I want to carry that momentum through this COVID-19, not take a step back, but be able to come out on the other side um, with the strength that we had going in. Because uh, if you're, for those that are paying attention, recruiting is going great. I mean, Jeff is doing a phenomenal job, uh, Josh, Nell, across the board. And when I first took this job, I talked about we need to be competing against the big brands um, for our student-athletes. And if you look at who's committing to us and who's also recruiting, to, uh, recruiting them, that is happening. We are recruiting in the neighborhood that we want to be recruiting in, and we got to make sure that we continue to do that. And so my biggest my biggest priority and the reason that we got we, we need to um, support the swarm is so that we can maintain that momentum and come out the other side stronger than um, and not take a step back. So in general, to support the swarm fund, it's meant to address the gap that you anticipate because of lowered ticket revenues. Can you tell us a little more about that gap? what you anticipate it being, and if you can't make up the gap via the Support the Swarm Fund, how would you have to do that? Yeah, so basically Support the Swarm, is, as you said, is to fill in that gap that we would normally count on um, through, uh, through, through ticket sales and, and, um, um, and tech fund. Not knowing how many games we're playing, when we're playing, um, 
it's really, really important that we can count on that revenue regardless. And so this is a way for people that want to support Georgia Tech athletics to do so, whether we play five home football games and a full basketball schedule, uh, who knows what's going to happen in the fall, whether we'll be able to play all of our football games, all of our home games, because we're, we're, we're going to be able to control our situation as and as best we can, but we don't know what's happening with the other team. There may be a situation where we're good to go, but for whatever reason, our opponent can't play. And so this is a way for our fans, donors, alumni, people that care about Georgia Tech athletics to support us regardless of whether we're playing a full schedule whether we're playing a partial schedule, whether we're playing no schedule, because at this point we really don't know. And that then gives us the confidence to set a budget that uh, basically allows us to, obviously we're going to end up having to um, uh, take cuts and, and, and do things to modify our, our, um, uh, our, our budget. However, I don't want to do it to the point where I'm affecting this program uh, beyond uh, the, the next 12 to 18 months. And so uh, what we're asking our fan base to do is, um, if you're a season ticket holder, uh, support us with what you would normally support us, not knowing what the schedule is going to look like. If you're a single game bu- uh, ticket buyer, uh Donate what you would normally spend in a year on Georgia Tech athletics to uh, uh, to our program or commit to that, regardless of what that season looks like. Since we we haven't even got to basketball yet, and kind of what that might look like. And for those of you that may not be able to come to or don't come to um, athletic events because of geography or whatever. Um, we want you to consider to um, make a donation to the Alexander Tharp Fund and the Support the Swarm program um, to help us identify where that revenue is going to come from uh, so that we're able to set a budget that continues to build Georgia Tech athletics um, on the trajectory we've been on. So, so, Todd, do you have a projection right now of what that budget gap might be? Sure. I you know, in, in a normal year, uh, tickets and tech fund is uh, somewhere around $25 million. Okay. So not knowing capacity, um, we're, I, I'm expecting that that gap is probably going to be in the, somewhere in the 20 to $25 million range. Um, and, uh, you know, if, um, you know, if we were able to, to uh, play a full home schedule, uh, at 50% capacity, it's probably a little bit lower than that. Um, but I think on the safe side, it's probably about a 20 to $25 million gap. Okay, so to attack that gap with the support, the swarm fund, why can't you use endowment funds? Institute endowment, GTA, scholarship endowments to cover that shortfall? Yeah, I know. I You know, that's the first question people <laughs> want to ask because everybody knows that Georgia Tech has a a pretty strong endowment because of uh, uh, the generosity of our uh, of our alumni, um, but unfortunately, that's all um, 
those funds are, are, are directed to specific projects, whether it's endowed scholarships or whatever. And, um, and, and those agreements are memorialized when those funds are given. And so the, the foundation or um, our development office uh, don't have the ability, or even within our own endowments, our own endowments have been designated for specific for specific uses, and so you can't just um, redirect those uh, into in, into something else. Tom, what about AI twenty twenty? Why can't you use the funds that you raised for AI twenty twenty to cover the shortfall this year? Maybe put off some of the projects that those funds were raised for. Well, again, similar to the foundation uh, situation, uh, those funds were all directed to specific uh, uses by the donor. And in many cases, um, AI 2020, there are a lot of capital projects associated with that. Uh, many of them are ongoing. One of them, which, um, which is has been incredibly important for the program, is the football locker room, which was the first project that we did as a, as, uh, as a part of AI 2020. Uh, the, the baseball facility phase two um, is well underway and, and will be uh, finished um, in time for this season. Uh, women's basketball locker room is underway. Uh, so many of those projects are already underway, which is a good thing because I think it shows that we're not, um, we're, we're not slowing down. We continue to, to progress, but that's, um, that's uh, why those funds um, couldn't be moved even if we wanted to. Gotcha. All right. I, want to, I want everybody to hear from the athletic director himself. How can fans support the Swarm? What's the best way to do that? Well, if you go to ramblingrec.com, um, there will be more information there and how they can directly give to support the Swarm. If you're a, um, if you're a season ticket holder, um, you'll probably already be hearing from your ticket rep about uh, some of the options. If not, uh, call your ticket rep. Um, but uh, it's definitely a way for um, all Georgia Tech athletic supporters to help in some way. And um, it's definitely, uh, uh, it, definitely going to be critical for the, the long-term uh, health of our program, and in our time of need, it's also something that we're going to memorialize those that support the swarm, uh, similar to how we would memorialize those in other um, significant um, uh, in si significant times of need in in the new edge with some type of a support the swarm wall, or we haven't really gotten there yet, but. Um, those people that support us right now um, uh, will um, will will have a special um, place because um, uh, we're in an unprecedented time, and I think we're in a position to to come out of this thing stronger uh, than we went in and continue the momentum. And it's those individuals that are going to allow us to do that. All right. So, again, we invite you to support the Swarm. Any additional questions or if you want to make a donation, go to ramblinrec.com. And you, we got a frequently asked questions page as well so you can learn more about the support the Swarm. All right. We are staring out into Bobby Dodd Stadium off to your right, my left. To our other side, we got Yellow Jacket Alley. It's not just a game. It's a game day and a game day experience 
Anything you can tell us about homecoming, tailgating, any of those other things that make a Saturday on the flat so special and what that might look like, how that might be affected this upcoming fall? No, I tell you what, unfortunately right now there's more questions than (laughs) answers, so everybody will have to stay tuned. Um, Of course, once we get our schedule um, locked in, then we'll start looking at um, uh, those special days, you know, 2020 is a is a, a special anniversary year for my 1990 guys, and actually that 1990 year where we had so many um, incredible athletic achievements, the national championship, the Final Four, and their um, and really kind of the 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 year or the era that we look to when we say that is what Georgia Tech athletics can and should be so um we've got a lot of things to celebrate uh this fall and and we we plan to do that and and more information will come out as as we as we have it patience flexibility (laughs) it's not just for athletic directors it seems like a little bit of both would go a long way for for georgia tech fans as well as as we all try to weather this and as you said make it out the other side stronger than before well it just reminds me of um my football coaches always say have a good athletic stance and keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> I noticed, by the way, you're also growing your hair out. Is that also in celebration of the 30-year anniversary of the <laughs> oh, 1990 yeah. championship? <laughs> or is that more because uh, you had just haven't been able to, to line up a, a date with the barber? Well, it's um, I'm I'm still not completely comfortable with the barber. At least that's my excuse. <laughs> well, it looks good on you. It looks good on you. And we appreciate all the information you've given us uh, over the course of this podcast. Again, make sure you like, you listen, you subscribe. Hopefully we'll be able to do this again really soon. Hopefully Georgia Tech fans will be able to see you here real soon. We appreciate uh, all the questions that you've had over these past few months and doing our best to provide the answers when we can get them. And, Todd, we always appreciate the information the access. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you. All right, he's Athletic Director Todd Stansberry. I'm Andy Demetra. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us here on the Toddcast. The Todd Stansberry Podcast is a presentation of RamblinWreck.com. Go Jackets!